Are you an entrepreneur, industry expert, or influencer? Did you know that speaking is one of the highest paying professions in the world? Download my free PDF checklist now and you can learn how you can become a highly paid speaker. Go to jamieabbott.com forward slash speaker guide. Hello and welcome to Pitch Perfect, the podcast where we shine a spotlight on the power of effective communication, strategic business thinking, and the spirit of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Jamie Abbott. I've spent years mastering the art of public speaking and public relations, weathered the storm in the business world, and have emerged not only surviving, but thriving in the face of challenges. And now I'm here to share my insights and experiences with you, whether you're an entrepreneur looking to take your business to the next level, a marketing professional wanting to sharpen your skills, or simply someone who wants to become a better communicator, this podcast is for you. So buckle up and join me on this journey. Let's learn, grow, and conquer the world of public speaking, public relations, marketing, and business strategy together. Welcome to Pitch Perfect. Well, my guest today is Josephine Lancuba, and from a young age, Josephine had to make her own way in the world. She went from an unstable home and humble beginnings to successfully creating multi-six-figure creative arts and entertainment businesses fueled by passion, joy, and commitment. After a whirlwind career as an artist that saw her perform on a multitude of stages and on TV screens for a decade, or over a decade, Josephine leaped into the world of business, talent, and entertainment management, studio ownership, and motherhood. She's not looked back since. Now, Josephine is an award-winning entrepreneur, a creative business coach and mentor, a speaker and TV presenter, a talent manager, a theatrical producer, studio owner, and writer. And she's also a member of Ausdance New South Wales's standing committee. Her much-loved course, Talent Manager Bootcamp, is where she coaches studio owners in developing their own in-house talent management service. Her goal is to help them increase their revenue, student retention, and industry credibility. Now, Josephine has provided talent and worked with companies such as Channel 10, Channel 7, TVSN, Telstra, Disney Channel Australia, Ozmumpreneur, Ozdance New South Wales, Macquarie Bank, McDonald's, McGregor's Casting and more. Wow. Josephine also coaches creative business owners and speaks on topics such as unlocking the key to your roaring resilience, which is what we are talking about today. Josephine, welcome to Pitch Perfect. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> I just think you are an incredible star. And of course, you are in PR Club, one of my star members in PR Club. And I'm so honored that you are in that membership. I have so many questions to ask you. The first one, I guess, is tell me exactly what a talent manager does, because I just have this stereotypical image in my head of as like a stage mom pushing their four-year-old girl onto beauty pageants. Like what do you actually do as a talent manager? Okay. So it's definitely not toddlers and tiaras. I just want to point that out. Not at all. So it's actually um, something that I started many years ago in a different format and there's different types of talent management. So, you know, 
even sports stars have talent managers. Um, everyone from screen actors, on stage actors, mascot performers, there's a wide variety out there when it comes to talent management. And my career started more in line with live performers and events. So I was managing bands and music acts to start. It then moved on to me working for a children's entertainment company that held major licenses. So, for example, the Australian and New Zealand license for Spider-Man, the Minions, the Care Bears, uh, those sorts of iconic characters, which people take for granted. When you see a Minion at Westfield Shopping Centre, that is someone who holds a license which they paid like potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars for across Australia and New Zealand. And these organisations like Westfield that get Spider-Man in, and I'm not talking about the birthday party guy that comes for a hundred bucks to your house and pretends to be Spider-Man. I'm talking about the official shows, um, you know, like the Minions appearing on the morning show on Channel 10, these sorts of things. So that's what I was managing um, for this particular company. And it got me uh, some really valuable experience because I got to, uh, you know, travel overseas. I was managing talent in New Zealand for their festivals and events because New Zealand had to fly over our Australian minions and other characters, the Smurfs, things like that. Um, it's actually a really interesting space. But, yeah, I got to be, you know, on set with my talent, managing them on site, on Channel 10, things like that you know, running down the beach with my minions, helping them get in their suits, that sort of thing. I'll never forget because I was chasing the minions one day at Manly Beach, like trying to get them ready. And I remember I was wearing my, uh, you know, my slacks and my nice blouse and all the bits as you do. And I remember just falling over into the sand trying to sort out these minions. It's It's been a lot of fun, I can tell you. But then it changed. So once I left that organisation, I then moved into a different type of uh, talent management. So then I ended up working with um, artists, representing them for film, television, theatre, commercial, musical theatre. So, you know, if someone, if Telstra wants someone for a commercial, I can, I can submit talent for that. And that's what I do. And it's funny because I, I, I was an artist myself for many years, but then I went on to a different path and more the back end of it. So I ended up managing these artists, but I started managing artists through my own performing arts studio. And now I coach other studios on how to create their own in-house talent management services amongst other, you know, studio ownership and creative business coaching. But that is one of the elements that I do teach. So it's a wide variety is, is, is the long answer to that question. You know, you can have a voiceover artist. Yeah. You can have circus artists. Like there's so many types that, that, of talent that can be managed. And can anyone become a talent manager or do you think you really do need to have that studio ownership background to be able to do it well? Well, most talent agents don't have studio ownership background. But what I saw was a gap in the market where I felt, being a studio owner myself, I saw that studio owners actually are in a position where they develop talent, they scout talent, you know, they they choose who goes into the front line, who does all these things, because they, they inherently understand it because they themselves were performers. And a lot of talent agents 
weren't performers, but studio owners get it. And so what I realised was that once these artists were being developed in these studio spaces and they were looking for something more or extra, studio owners were just sending them out to these agencies and saying, oh, go try them, go try them. But they weren't actually leveraging from what they've created and nurtured and developed within their own space and providing that stepping stone to the next level. So I thought, why send them out? Like, just provide the service yourself. And it's, yeah, so that's where it came about. That actually happened in COVID where I had that ding, ding moment because I was still getting work through the agency uh, because advertising didn't stop during COVID. If you think about it, television ads were still running. Sure, there were no live productions mm. stopped, but advertising never stops. So I was still getting a bit of an income from the agency, whereas my studio income pretty much went to a halt at one stage. And I thought, oh, if only more studio owners knew about this. And then, yeah, the light bulb started going off. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, speaking of COVID, you, you run a very successful, remind me what your performing arts studio, it's in Northern Beaches, New South Wales. What's it called? So it's Musical Makers Club. We actually have four club sites. So we have one in, you know, Forestville, which is Northern Beaches. We have one in Alawa, which is that Cogra area, um, St. George region. We have one in Bellevue Hill, which is eastern suburbs. And I've also got one in Annandale, which is in the inner west. So I've got one north, south, east and west. <laughs> oh, wow. All over Sydney. I don't know why. I thought you were just Northern Beaches. Um, yeah, so I what was Northern that like? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where it's come from. Um, so, of course, I first met you in Uluru. We had many conversations over wine while we were watching the sunset in Uluru. It was fabulous uh, almost <laughs> over a year ago now. So, what was that like? I just want to know, like, running a business which is in person, you had all these kids and parents. What was that like? Just, I'm genuinely interested in COVID. Did you just shut down or how did you, how did you get through that time, which was a fairly long time? Well, it required... <laughs> It required great resilience, I can assure you, because I still remember that day when that we were about to lock down. And so I called in a, an emergency meeting with my team in person before the first lockdown happened within 24 hours. And we were brainstorming, what can we do? What's possible? And I actually remember um, having to step, in, step out of that meeting just briefly to take a breath because this was my baby. I'd built it for the last near close to a decade. And it was really hard because I knew I've worked so hard to build up this business and now it feels like it's all going to get lost. So we did go online. We created a Google Classroom for our students. Uh, and we had at the time a musical theatre production we were putting together called Peter Pan, which everyone knows the story of Peter Pan, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah. And then, and then we decided um, in that meeting we created Peter Pan breaks the internet, and it was a lot of fun. Um, we re I rewrote the entire show, so I adapted a stage production to screen, uh, and we got and we created the world's first. And I'm going to take credit for this, even though Disney and licensing companies a month later jumped on, you know, the whole self-taping musical theatre show during COVID. We honestly, I had not seen it anywhere prior, so I'm going to take credit for this. <laughs> I created the world's first. Yeah, do it. Self-taped <laughs> musical movie made by and starring kids. 
So kids would work with their coaches online and film their scenes. We would send, we couriered them costumes to put on. They filmed their scenes from home, taped it from home or with their teacher on Zoom. And we edited it together and live streamed it to our audience. Um, it wow. was mental. <laughs> So we did you it. live we streamed did it. it as they were performing it. You didn't um, no, record no, no. it or anything like that. They all recording. Yeah. So we, we oh, edited it together, right. made it into a film and then live streamed the film to the, to the parents. Yeah. Wow. What a great film. idea. Yeah. But I don't I haven't even heard of that. So. <laughs> no, hopefully you won't have to. You won't have to. And so, you know, um, I guess, you know, you're talking today about unlocking the key to your roaring resilience. Is that kind of where you first learned that you've got this ability to really get through things because of your resilience or did it start many years earlier? I mentioned in the bio that you had sort of a, a challenging um, upbringing. Do you want to talk yes. about that and how you think you've developed this yeah, incredible resilience? Totally. And so, no, that was definitely not my first foray into resilience. I, I was a resilient kid. Um, I grew up in a, in a house of domestic violence. And so I have had many struggles growing up and I've, and I've witnessed some really hard stuff. Um, you know, I left home when I was 14 years old and really made my, and when I say in my bio, I made my own way in the world. I mean it. I was, geez, I had to, you know, ask for food stamps from charities to get by, couch surfed for a couple of years, um, didn't have enough food, had to pay my own rent at 15 and 16, put myself through school. So, you know, that is where my resilience comes from. And over the years, that experience turned into anger, um, a lack of motivation, um, you know, why me, basically. So there was, because of that challenging experience, very much so it led to that why me, poor me sort of scenario, especially as a young adult. But I learned very quickly that there, no one was coming to save me, right? And if I wanted to make something of myself in this world, I had to do it myself. And that's just, that was just, you know, the cards that were drawn for me. And I absolutely realized that the only way I could move forward was through forgiveness. And so I have a deep connection um, between resilience and forgiveness. And to me, one can't exist without the other. And it doesn't have to be extreme. You don't have to come from a home of domestic violence. It can be small things, but sometimes when people do us wrong, I have forgiveness exercises that I work with and that I, and, you know, I share in, in, you know, when I go and speak and, and workshops and things like that. But I have forgiveness exercises and it's a daily practice or a weekly practice even uh, where sometimes if someone pops into my mind that's done me wrong, I have to go, go through a process of forgiveness. The forgiveness is not just for them, it's also for myself. So connecting those two is a really big part of it. And sometimes I, and that's how I move through things. When things are tough, I just have to be kind to myself. I have to forgive myself, you know. I, you know, I forgive you. Thank you. I love you. These are the sorts of words and, 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 and I suppose 
those are the moments that I, I really push through and that's how I do it through that forgiveness factor. But that's been a big thing. When it hit COVID, just because I'm resilient doesn't mean it wasn't hard. You have to practice resilience. Resilience isn't just something that comes to you. You have to actually work on it. And it's one of, uh, it really is a really big part of my life and it's something that I teach my children as well because I don't want anyone to have to go through what I went through, but I think we all need resilience. And that's something that I find to be lacking these days and, and we need to really work on it as a daily practice. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think that resilience, and I, I consider myself to have a lot because, you know, I've come from a political background, mm. been through a lot of stuff. You know, I, I also i am in the military. I spent some time in Afghanistan, even though I wasn't on the front line. Um, I was exposed to things that, you know, a lot of people haven't been exposed to. And then political, uh, you name it, I've gone through it. I won't yeah, go into yeah. detail. It's not about me. But I feel like because of those experiences, I've built up that resilience. Do you think someone has to go through these challenging things in life to build it up or do you think you either have it or you don't have resilience or maybe a little bit of both I don't think you need to have been through great challenges uh, to build resilience per se because everyone perceives challenge differently so you know if you've come from a wonderful background everything was easy you're going to have a different level of what you perceive as challenge to what I may have but that doesn't mean mine's right and yours is wrong so, no, you don't have to come from great challenge or, or you know, rise from the trenches to, <laughs> to have this level of resilience. But, uh, but, yeah, I suppose there is a level of challenge involved. It's overcoming challenge. That's what resilience is. So that's a big part of it. Yeah, and speaking of um, overcoming challenges and adapting, a little segue into your online business. So how has that transition been for you to come from a traditionally service-based, in-person, relying on mm. the teacher being in the room and performances, audiences being there live, to now almost a, a completely online business with your coaching and your mentoring? What's that been like and, and how have you kind of adapted that business model? It's been a really big transition. And actually, it's interesting because, because I do come from that background of high resilience and working hard and, you know, you've, you've got to hustle to make it. And I don't, I don't love hustle culture. I'm not into it, but that's sort of how I felt for many years. To go into this online space, it's almost too easy. And that's not to say that the money comes easy and you don't have to work for it. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is to come from having to be on site managing a hundred people in a, in a workshop space or, you know, going into show week with 600 attendees versus in a zoom room with a hundred attendees, or that's a totally different thing. And transitioning from in-person to online, I'm, I'm loving it because there's so much ease with online. It's more scalable. Uh, it's, it's definitely less expensive to run. And that's another challenge that I think in-person service businesses are facing at the moment with the increases of costs like that. Those costs rising are affecting everyone. You know, when we hire a venue, for example, like a theatre, it already is astronomical. So when those costs go up because staffing rates have increased and whatnot, that's major. So to be able to do things online has been 
oh, life-changing. I love it. I absolutely love it. And yeah, so th- that's been a really positive transition for me. The only challenge is, you know, having to show up and be present a lot. So unlike an in-person business, I can rely on team a lot more. They show up to the classes, they do the things. But when it comes to online, it's just really all about me. So I have to be present and show up like online on socials and, and really deliver in that way. Coming from a performance background, I can do that, but that doesn't mean energetically it's easy it still requires um, a level of energy and, and mental preparation. So, so that's been interesting because there are times when I don't want to show up and we all have those times, mm. but I am finding ways to do that. And, again, it, it comes back to that resilience factor. I, I have what I call my why list. Why am I doing this? I have my dreams list. These are things that I teach to my coaching clients and we refer back to our dream list, our why list, And those are the things that keep us grounded and continue to propel us forward to continue showing up for our clients and for ourselves. Yeah. But that's been the the major. Yeah. Interesting about the the whole thing about showing up. I um, I have a very similar background to you, singing, dancing, emceeing, um, acting, growing up. And I definitely think that that has helped with my confidence. And also now when we're so relying on doing reels and stories as an online business owner, I have no problems getting up and I have no problems making a fool of myself. And you're the same, <laughs> not that we make fools of ourselves on purpose, but you're there, you know, you don't give a shit what people think. You're cheering with your pom-poms and dancing around. <laughs> He's one I prepared earlier. Yeah, but um, that's what people love, and you're going to attract your tribe, you know. And and I've, I've just done a video on this this morning, saying how you get criticism from your friends and family, but you need to ignore them because they're not your clients. Have you copped it a little bit, like putting your true self out there and just uh, you know, being 100%. Josephine and one hundred percent? Yes, yes. Look, I got to tell you, um. And as you know, as someone who's performed and you perform, you know, even today as a speaker, but, you know, you've got to build a thick skin as a performer. And that's probably helped me having that resilience backbone, being a performer, because I can tell you now there's a lot of rejection in being an artist Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of rejection in putting yourself out there, even asking for speaking gigs. People are going to say no, and you've got to be resilient. You've got to know why am I doing this, and you continue moving forward. But um, yeah, ask me that question again because I, I had to go back there to that because that, that was a big one for me. But yeah, no, I guess it, I mean it was a really good answer. Um, you know, talking about expecting the rejection, that was a really great message there. But you know, when you're copying it from your friends and family oh, who might give you sort of yes. shit on the side and say, "What are you I dancing won't. around in pom poms for?" How do you cope with that? Oh, I love that. Yes. So you've brought me back. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I actually lost a really good friend and I was friends with her for 20 years. And as soon as I started showing up and what, and by the way, we all show ourselves as our best selves on Instagram and online. But honestly, I see myself with those pom-poms and dancing around. That is my authentic self. I actually enjoy it. So, yes, it is an exaggerated version of me, but it is me. I'm not putting on that. That's not me pretending to love the pom-poms or I actually find it fun and I want to project that energy. Now, when I started doing that, 
Um, yeah, I did lose a friend of 20 years. Uh, she just ghosted me. And I'm pretty, pretty sure it's got to do with how I showed up online. Uh, I think it made them feel really uncomfortable. And that was a bit sad. So I have had that experience. Um, I've also had people say, oh, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're crazy. And I just think, oh, well, you got to be in it to win it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can totally relate to that because um, to follow, you know, like that's you're not it. crazy. You're not crazy. I mean, you're never going to please everyone, but I totally relate to that because I'm, I haven't necessarily lost friends that I know of, but I certainly have noticed a lot of them don't like my posts or don't mm. get in touch as much anymore. And you can't help but think, hmm, it's around the same time I started being the real me. And I've come from a very conservative political background yes. and military background, and now I'm just being the real me. Consequently, um, sorry, like coincidentally, also my business has skyrocketed since I have showed up and been my true self. Does it get to you a little bit though? Like, do you go, oh, you know, I'm being the real me. And as you said, this is the real authentic Josephine. Does it get to you a little bit to think, did they not know who I was or how could they be so judgy? Does it get to you a little bit or you just have to ignore it? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I had, I kind of remember the show, but there was a show that someone compared me to as one of the characters. Once they saw me shop online, they're like, oh, my God, Joe, you remind me of this person. And I was like, this person in this particular show was the mental case? And I was like, Excuse me, like that is not who I am at all. I may be showing up showing energy, enthusiasm and joy. That doesn't make me an insane person. That makes me fun, uh, relatable. My following has definitely increased since I started showing up this way. So I don't regret, I don't regret it for a minute. Um, but it is, it is challenging sometimes when you start to compare yourself to others in your space. So I try not to do that because when I look at other performing mm -hmm. arts coaches, other creative business coaches, you know, black suit jackets, beige walls, and that's fine. You know, that's fine, but there is no one, and I'm pretty confident about that, there's no one in my space that has the vibrancy I have, and mm. I am okay with that. Um, I, I'm a little nervous sometimes. I've just done my new brand photo shoot. I'm literally holding an electric guitar in one of them with like a blue leather jacket being like, yeah, because I'm talking about your rock star brand. And I just, and, and there's going to be no one out there doing that in my space. You know, all of them have the floral backgrounds and like I said, the beige balls. And again, nothing wrong with that, but it ain't me and I'm not going to do it. And mm. yes, there's a bit of nervousness when I start to bring out the new stuff because I am going to step it up even more, to be honest, uh, which I'm excited about. Uh, and I just think hopefully that will bring the right client to me. Maybe I'm not meant to have their clients. I'm meant to have different clients. So, you know, it, it's just you just got to bring your true energy and, and hopefully the right people will come. But that's what the goal is, you know. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's just like you and I could be the exact same industry and I'm teaching one thing and you're teaching the same thing. But at the end of the day, people buy from people and they're going to resonate with you and they're not me or vice versa. And so I think knowing that if you can just show up and be your true, fun, authentic self, you mm -hmm. are going to attract your tribe. I truly believe that. Yes. Um, so what's next for Josephine Lancuba? What can we expect and what's in store for you? 
Well, speaking of Tribe, it's been a really fantastic thing because I um, created a, a back-end membership off my course, Talent Manager Bootcamp, which uh, the people within there absolutely love my joyful energy. <laughs> um, I am their biggest cheerleader and and that has been really exciting. So what's next in that space is that back-end uh, membership is going to become front-end and what I'm going to be doing is providing studio owners with ongoing mentorship through uh, this membership that is going to be available to them, no longer just for my course graduates, but now for every studio owner that wants to be a part of it. I'm also, um, I've also taken on some speaking opportunities this year. I spoke with Ausdance New South Wales. Um, I've also been a speaker for Ausmumpreneur and I'm moving forward in that space as well, which has been really exciting, hence being a part of the PR club, uh, getting my name out there, just really putting myself out there um, in more spaces has been a really big part. So, yes, yeah, so I've got that front-end uh, membership coming out uh, this January, which I'm really excited about. And I've also got a conference that I'm running on Friday the 8th of September. It's called Studio Innovation Conference. And this has been in the works for a little while now, but I have finally released it to the public. And, yeah, I'm excited. It's for performing arts studio owners, teachers and their teams. And we're going to talk about all things innovation and how to move forward with the times with fresh ideas, new concepts, and just, you know, we're going to talk about how we can apply chat, GPT and AI to our businesses, everything from new processes and software systems, you know, um, integrating new methods of dance teaching strategies, uh, I've got some amazing speakers, how to create a performing arts studio in your space, how to, you know, find new venues. So it's just exciting, yeah. But, yeah, I'll, I'll share the link with you and, and and we can hopefully share that with your people. But it's, it's just so much fun. I can't wait to do that one. Yeah. Oh, definitely. We will put all the links to that in the show notes. Josephine, thank you so much for coming on. It's been amazing. So many even takeaways for me and just timely reminders. I love it. And I, I'm sure anyone listening to this, whether they're in the performing arts industry or not, will be able to get so much from what you've said today. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. And everyone listening, please do follow me on Instagram at Josephine Lancuba. And yeah, make sure you say hi. If there's any takeaways that you've gotten from this episode, I'd love to hear it. So DM me, feel free to have a chat. I'm here for it. Will do. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pitch Perfect. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it and share it to social media. If you'd like to download my free paid speaking resources, go to jamieabbott.com.